When Dubai Opera pulled back the curtains for the first time in 2016, people didn't know what to expect for the first of its kind in the region. Three years and over 600 shows later, it's safe to say that the Dubai Opera has left a cultural imprint on Dubai residents and visitors alike. CEO Jasper Hope talks about the journey so far and with shows like The Phantom of the Opera coming up, what we can expect in the future. Welcome to Dubai Works, a business podcast about the innovators, the products, the services and trending topics. Loving Dubai's take on the business stories that matter. My name is Richard Fitzgerald. I'm the founder of Augustus Media, publishers of Love in Dubai, Love in Saudi and Smashy TV. Each week we'll be interviewing the dynamic business leaders of Dubai. Good morning, Jasper. Good morning, Richard. Hi. Welcome to the Bioworks Business Podcast. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, um, always when we chat and when we speak, it's always very exciting because there always seems to be so much going on in Dubai Opera. Um, you know, how long is it going now and what's the kind of story in the background? So we are uh, a matter of a couple of days away from turning three, uh, which wow. is very exciting. I, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I, in one sense, I can't quite believe three years has gone by and indeed another two years for me in the UAE prior to us opening the door. So five years I've been here. Wow. Um, it, it just it feels an extraordinarily short time uh, when I think about it. And then I stop and I remember all the things that have happened, all the shows that have already been on our stage in just three years. And I think, well, how on earth did we fit that in? Because there are just, there are so many, I, I even forget some. Do you uh, remember the days, the, the first show, the opening, the inauguration? Was it, what date was it exactly? Yeah, so the, the uh, very first performance was uh, 31st of August uh, 2016. It was Placido Domingo that opened the opera. Uh, and I will quite simply never forget it. I mean, the the pressure was enormous, the tension, uh, the excitement, the exhilaration, all of those things meant uh, a lot of the days in the lead up to the 31st, I have to be honest, went as something of a blur, but the night itself, welcoming His Highness, welcoming uh, all of those guests, the very first guests into uh, Dubai Opera, uh, enjoying the show, uh, and then the kind of the relief of afterwards, but the knowledge that we had another show the next night, and, and so it's been going. So you, ha you almost haven't had a chance to step back and to reflect on everything that's been done? Not very often. I, I mean, the summer is a little bit quieter. We have a maintenance period, so we close to the public anyway. Uh, and that offers a little bit of time for holiday, it offers a little bit of time for uh, reflection. Um, I, I also have a, a role that means uh, I need to be looking forward. I need to be looking at what might come next, who might come next. Uh, how I mean, you, you have to you have to look back and and decide how things have gone. Did the audience respond well to it? Did they did they buy tickets? Did they come and, and enjoy it? And if they did, do they want more of it? So you have to think about what has happened. Uh, but a lot of the job is about well, what's next? Because yes. this is Dubai, right? This is an exciting, dynamic city, and everybody's. In, I think many businesses always looking forward and, and we're no exception. So you mentioned, before we delve into some of the performances, I'm keen to talk about them, uh, you mentioned the maintenance and just to take a step back about the architectural masterpiece that Dubai Opera is, uh, what, goes, what goes involved, uh, what goes into keeping it going and keeping it up and what sort of reaction do people get out of the venue still? It's one of our greatest assets, uh, I think it's fair to say. The, the fact that the building 
has a shape that isn't of a building. You know, it's not a, a box, a rectangular building-shaped uh, edifice. It's got the shape of the Arabian Dow. It means it's automatically interesting. It's also very beautiful. Uh, and it's made of glass, which uh, is entirely deliberately the architect uh, wanted people to be able to see it, not to feel excluded from somewhere which, you know, let's be honest, in this region there aren't a lot of. There aren't a great deal of theatres or, or entertainment spaces of that kind. Mm. Um, and if you've never been to a theatre or an opera house uh, before, or you're not used to going to, to theatres, they can be a bit intimidating. If you, if you go to the opera in Paris, if you go to the opera in London, they're magnificent buildings, um, but they're very formal, uh, and you know maybe people just don't feel comfortable necessarily thinking about the idea of going into one. Uh, the the idea from the beginning was, well, we have a chance to show people that actually an opera house can be about more than just opera; it can have a whole range of genres, uh, you know, on show at, at any one time and any one season. Um, and that you shouldn't worry about coming in. As much as possible, we should have our doors open, we should let people see what's going on inside, uh, and it should be a, you know, a beautiful place and a place of great quality and, and substance, but nonetheless one that you don't feel anxious about attending. Amazing. So what have been some of the main key highlights and the best performances, both for you personally and for the public, in the first three years? Of the many, many, many. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> it's a very long list. I'm, I'm possibly not really allowed to have favourites, um, <laughs> but uh, amongst the, some of the great ones, uh, the, the first time we've done anything has always been special. So, uh, the, the first musical I, I remember very clear that was Les Mis. You know, having Les Misérables come, having this incredible international cast assemble, uh, this fantastic. Uh, production, it really set the scene for all the musicals that would would come afterwards, and we've done I think ten or, or even twelve since then, and mm. they're all great titles, and they've all had great reactions. But the very first time you, you do a, a true classic show like that, it, it means a lot, and I will always remember that uh, as a very special moment. The, the first night for that show, um, but so many more. You know, the, the atmosphere changes depending yeah. on who we have. You put Rag and Bone Man in there, and you get a standing crowd. You put Ludvico Einaudi in there, and you get a very kind of relaxed uh, feeling and an audience. It's all it's all different. And you mentioned firsts, and it, there seems to be many, many firsts all the time. But was that part of the original strategy? It, it's it seems to be there's so much uh, uh, diversity and variety of choice. I was just listening to the radio this morning and. I heard that we can go and listen to Gladiator with in, a, in an amazing, or watch Gladiator and listen to orchestra. Yes. And there's many different types of things taking place all the time. Uh, you know, was that part of the plan? And how do you keep being creative with the new shows that you bring to the public? So the the answer to the first question is yes, absolutely. From the very beginning, in those first two years, uh, whilst the the construction was underway, I was putting together a team, and I was putting together the beginnings of a of a program to to you know hopefully entertain the audience here in Dubai. Uh, what I learned in those two years was more about the kind of people who already lived in Dubai and who visited Dubai, uh, where they came from, the kinds of things that they liked. And that was a, a subjective measure. I didn't have a whole lot of data to, to go on, but combined with the experience of working in other parts of the world, combined with knowing uh, a very large range of shows and artists and, and producers, uh, I was able to put together a, a kind of opening season. And from that, we've been able to develop. 
what I learned was that firsts are important in Dubai. People are, as I say, excited that there is a, an energy about this city uh, which kind of responds well when things are new. Uh, brands are also important here. They're, they're not essential, but they are important. So if something has a, has a strong track record and a, and a good position in another market, there's a good chance that it might transfer well uh, here. Um, but equally, I found that Dubai was this very cosmopolitan place. I, I found many, many more, I guess, types of people and nationalities than I was expecting. And what I got from that was a realization that uh, I can be varied. I can be as varied as the city itself is. And is that what you think you've created? Because, you know, I think your background is Royal Albert Hall in the UK, and yes. it's got a particular rep high quality <coughs> reputation. And if we look at other opera houses around the world, what, what seems to, you know, uh, you know, my perception, readers of Love in Dubai, is that Dubai Opera is unique. It's unique in, in for the city, for the people, in the uh, in the wonder of the venue and the shows. Is that what you've created? I, I think, well, it's very kind of you to say so. That, that is exactly the ambition that we've always had from the beginning. Um, I think it's a combination of a number of factors. We've, we've mentioned the building. The building really is very, very special on the outside, but also on the inside. It's incredibly flexible. Uh, it is beautifully designed, and it works perfectly both for audiences and, most importantly, for uh, artists acoustically and, and in every other way. Um, the combination of uh, a great space, a great uh, program each year, and something that I I can't define, but I call it, when, when I'm talking to my staff particularly, I call it fairy dust. I call it this magical extra ingredient that you get in certain theatres, not every theatre by any stretch of the imagination, but in a handful of places around the world, over time, this fairy dust kind of layers up and uh, the, the experience takes on a sort of magical quality. And the Royal Albert Hall in London is one of those other buildings, and I recognize that very early on. Mm. It's not just who's on stage, it's not just uh, how good the place looks or how well you look after it. There's something about the combination of those two with an audience and the way that they interact with the artists and the building that they become proud. They become proud of owning uh, the space. Mm. And if you talk to anybody about the Royal Albert Hall, they will have, a, any, anyone British, they will have a favorite story about it. It might be classical music and the proms, might be Eric Clapton, it might be Cirque du Soleil, something that they will have seen or that their family will have seen or in the best possible case where they as a child will have appeared themselves. So many people I met in my time in London uh, came into the, the building, I would take them on a, a tour and these were you know, potential sponsors and all kinds of people, nothing, nothing to do with music and we'd get in the auditorium and they would say, wow, you know, first time I came into this space, I was 12, I sang in my local church choir or I was in the school orchestra, right. and they had an opportunity. Yeah. And that combination of all of those things developed a kind of national pride in the institution. And I think Amazing. something similar is happening with Dubai Opera, and, and that is the thing I guess I'm most proud about. People, uh, people are very kind and supportive to the work that we're doing, and I think of course, it's because they like the shows that we're bringing, but I think it's more than that. I think, you know, a lot of people, if you were here five or ten years ago, you, you were possibly 
uh, told by friends and family overseas that there was no culture in Dubai. Yeah. Well, now people are very proud that actually there is a lot of culture in Dubai and it has a very public face. We're not the only cultural thing going yeah. on, but there is a very public example of why we do have culture here. Uh, that's interesting. When I'm watching some of the amazing shows that you've put on, you mentioned Les Mis <coughs> or the Edith Piaf musical and things like that. I can't help but think of these talented performers on stage and what their impression of Dubai is. Do they, you know, what's it li been like bringing the groups over and the actors and everything? And when they have time off, do you know what they do? Do they go to the beach or do they, do they look for the other cultural things in Dubai? There's a there's a mix. I mean, they um, they are certainly uh, easier to attract now, three years down the line, than when we started. That is is a fact, um, and and the reason for that is some of it is the success that we've had, but actually more importantly, it's the artists that we've had going back or going on their world tours and telling their peers what a good time they had when they were in Dubai. Great audiences, you know, great, great performance, great reception. And yes, in their spare time, if they were here for a, a number of days, not just one night, other stuff that they could do, either exploring the city, more widely the, the country or even the region. Um, and, and for some of them, the, the, the case of the big musicals, you know, Les Mis and Mary Poppins, when Phantom of the Opera comes, you know, those uh, cast and crew will be here for more than a month. Oh, wow. In each of those cases. So they have quite a lot of time, uh, downtime, you know, days off around the shows, but just during the day. They're, they're not working during the day. Their, their job is in the evening when they come and entertain us all. Um, they have a lot of time to, to do everything. They get, of course, to go to the beach. Of course, they do shopping. Of course, they explore the desert. Um, but uh, a month or, or even more gives you a fantastic opportunity to really get to know some people, to make some friends, to, to just go out and enjoy the, the amazing things the city has to offer. So Dubai, uh, Phantom of the Opera is one of the highlights of the calendar uh, of activity and performances that you have this year. Yes. What's gone in, what goes into putting that, on, that performance on? Uh, a show like Phantom of the Opera is, uh, it's incredibly special for us to, well, f first to aspire to, you know, it, it didn't just happen uh, automatically. You, you have to kind of earn the right to present a show like that. Everybody in the world wants a production of Phantom. It, it could appear in many more places simultaneously than it does. Uh, th that doesn't happen, and as a result, for more than 30 years now, it's been you know the world's number one musical. Uh, if you want it, you have to show that y you deserve it, right? And that took us a bit of time to, to prove uh, with a kind of consistent run of many different titles and, and great artists that we could do it. We could prove uh, that we would have a great audience, that they would get a great reception, that the brand of Phantom would be enhanced with a, a residency at Dubai Opera. For it to be the first uh, in the UAE, the first in the GCC, was really, really special to them and to us. This is a show that has played in more than 30 countries, but never in the Middle East. And, and so for a chance to mm -hmm. come and develop a new territory for a, a, an old show, yeah. that's a special thing. And you kind of, you put all the, the combination of things together, uh, you, there is a financial element, of course, that, that you have to agree, and if you can do that, then you can schedule a visit for the show. But w we did all of this about uh, a year ago, so mm -hmm. more than a year ago, in fact, uh, probably a year and a half ago, all of this was under discussion, and the show is 
next month. So we're, we're okay. almost there. Yeah. But it's been a very long time in the, in the kind of gestation period to get there. Amazing. And the public is getting excited. It should be kind of a nice uh, event for people to go to when the weather improves and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's right in the heart of the, the season. Obviously, things will, will be kind of back to normal after summer breaks and schools and everything that, that uh, has their, their natural break in, uh, in August first part of September, by, by the time that the show opens, 16th of October, uh, we are well into the season and uh, for, the next, uh, for the next few weeks, people get a chance to see this incredible show and it's important, I think, to point out that it's not a regular um, or an irregular tour. Some, th th there are different kinds of touring shows, right? Okay. There are different quality of touring shows. What we have in the case of Phantom of the Opera is the original London production. That is what you would have seen if you were there 20 years ago or 30 years ago, uh, you're getting to see the best of the best. This isn't a kind of cut down, slimmed down version. Yeah. I think we have 18 containers of stuff coming, wow. right? Costumes, sets, it's incredible. <laughs> the amount of... of uh, Logistics and Yeah, logistical yeah. support that is required for a, for, for a show like this. Um, it is incredibly professional, it's very impressive, and that's what is going to be on the stage uh, again at Dubai Opera. I want to talk about a, a topic that's kind of uh, in vogue in US media at the moment, uh, where th they talk about CEOs uh, changing capitalism and now having more responsibility to their employees and to the public. Uh, do you see that in your role here, or has, has there been you know, uh, a responsibility in terms of uh, business performance with Dubai Opera, or has it always been about the kind of culture and the contribution to the overall uh, agenda in Dubai? It, it again, it, uh, I'm sorry to say, but it's both. It's, um, so we are an artistic uh, enterprise, a cultural uh, business. Um, and the way these cultural businesses work uh, in different cities, in different countries, varies depending on who owns them. So in some cases there is an arts council or a, or a governmental body, um, a ministry of culture, and, and they take care of the funding, they, they set the guidelines, they, they set the rules for programming. And in those cases, uh, finances aren't really a consideration in terms of choice of show or choice of experience for, for the audience. It's all about uh, inspiration, it's all about uh, developing young talent locally uh, as well as internationally, it's about showcasing the best in a certain genre or, or a number of genres. Um, but that is not what we have in Dubai. The model we have here is that Dubai Opera uh, is an EMAR company. Uh, EMAR, as you know, is a very commercial enterprise, uh, that doesn't mean that Dubai Opera has to work in the same way as the Dubai Mall or, or okay. the real estate divisions, uh, but it has to have a commercial imperative. It has to be run in a, in a similar fashion as a business uh, as opposed to as a subsidized uh, arts organization. So when we look at shows, when we look at wh whether something will work or not, there is some flexibility because there are some genres, opera itself, for example, which is frankly almost impossible to make any money out of. It's mm. such an expensive undertaking. There are so many people involved in an opera production. I have the Shanghai uh, Opera House coming next week. There are almost 300 people coming from Shanghai. It's a phenomenal Amazing. undertaking, right? Uh, it, it is extremely uh, unusual to, to make a profit out of a, an operation like that. 
So it's not that every single thing I do has to make money, but overall, uh, some things absolutely have to make money. I need to pay for the operating costs of Dubai Opera. I have a, I have a staff, I have a, a regular program to fund, and uh, as long as I can achieve the right balance, and that is a financial balance, but also it is a social balance. It, it, it means that, uh, firstly, there are um, extended benefits. So if people are coming into Dubai, for example, for a weekend to see Phantom of the Opera, they are flying in, I hope, on, on Emirates or Fly Dubai. They are certainly staying uh, in a hotel. They are possibly going out to eat and shop, and there are all of these additional uh, commercial uh, opportunities, not just for Imar, but for, for uh, Dubai. Um, but uh, I think forgetting all of that, you are establishing a destination with a different purpose. Everybody knows you can come here and play great golf. Everybody knows you can come and have a wonderful beach experience or, or, or shop, visit friends and family. Uh, and at certain times of the year, they know you can do some cultural things. You can visit Art Dubai. Uh, you, you can go to one of the design or fashion events that happen you know, periodically through, through the year, or even something musical. Uh, but in Dubai Opera, there is a permanent cultural presence. So every single week, every single month, something is going on. And, and some of them are really big, high-profile international shows like Phantom. Some are smaller. Uh, we have a chamber music series in our, our small studio space. Uh, but regardless of what it is, something is being generated. Some cultural business is being generated. And that we've had a lot of support for, because a lot of other businesses, un unconnected, have seen that for client entertainment, for staff morale, for uh, incentive schemes, for all sorts of mm. things. Actually, Dubai Opera is a, is a great asset. They, we, they can work with us to find something that helps them. And that there's not a, well, there can be a direct financial benefit uh, involved, but it's not specifically about do this and it makes X. It, it's a combination of factors. Amazing. Uh, just talk about how people have kind of welcomed Dubai Opera from Dubai. How are they? Uh, how are they attending Dubai Opera? Is this a treat? Is it, you know, the after three years, are people kind of becoming more used to uh, visiting back? What's your kind of repeat visitors numbers like, and how is it ingrained in the kind of natural entertainment behaviour, outgoing behaviour of people who live here? So there's uh, absolutely a group of people for whom uh, cultural uh, entertainment enjoyment. Uh, is a big part of their lives, and they are our kind of best customers. Mm. <coughs> because our program is so varied, it's not that they only come when we have a musical. What they tend to do, those people, that, that group of people, the people who are visiting kind of, let's say, at least six times a year, if, if not more, mm. uh, they're looking at the program and they're saying, okay, well, in October we'll do the musical, in uh, November we'll do a, a pop concert, in December we'll go to the Nutcracker, January will yeah. do so, you know, and, and, and picking a mix. And each time they come, of course it can always be date night, but uh, what we tend to find is actually the group is usually a, a little bit larger than two, uh, somewhere between two and four depending on the genre. So okay. they're bringing friends, they're, they're making yeah. a, a night out, yeah. uh, w which I guess might be a birthday, it might be, might be an occasion that goes with it, but I think more often than not it's just, oh look, this month they've got this show on, let's go with our friends, the so-and-sos, let's get together and just go out. And they are our, they are our kind of, as I say, best, best customers. They come the most, uh, on the most occasions in any one year. Um, but m more and more, 
people are just finding because we're doing more and more that there's more stuff they want to come see. And what about the uh, Gulf nationals and particularly people coming from Saudi Arabia and other GCC countries? We hear of the appetite for cinema and entertainment in Saudi Arabia. Has that transferred over to live performance and opera and musicals as well? It's coming. I mean, it is most noticeable uh, when we have a long-running show. So if it's just one night and one night only, uh, it is more likely that, and certainly if it's during the week, more likely that it will just be Dubai residents or tourists that happen to be here on, mm. on holiday uh, over that week. Uh, where it's a show like Phantom of the Opera, it's running for a, a number of weekends. Uh, it is an announced six or eight months in advance. There's mm. much more time for people to be able to plan, to, to package with a hotel uh, stay. Uh, and if you come on a, a weekend while we have Phantom on, for example, I think you'll see a lot more Saudi nationals, for, for example, or Kuwaiti, Omani, uh, coming in for a, for a weekend, uh, whereas weekday will mostly be Dubai uh, residents. So if it's available, they, you know, it is something that they're willing to kind of go and see, as just like the cinema and other things, even though it hasn't been part of uh, an offer before? It hasn't been part of an offer in Dubai, but remember uh, a, a lot of those people have travelled to other parts of the world. It's sure. always been an offer in London, it's always been an offer in New York. Yeah. There are many other places where it is automatically part of the things that you, you think about doing when you visit one of those cities. What's on? Yeah. A concert, a, a theatre show, a play, something. Um, and now it's a lot closer to home. If you're coming out of Riyadh uh, for a, a weekend and you're looking for some entertainment, well, you know, it's a much shorter flight, frankly. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Jasper, and congratulations on, on three years at Dubai Opera. We Thank look you. forward to a, a great program of events coming up. Thank you so much.